Before I open the scripture, let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our dear, kind, loving Father, we thank you this morning that we can be here together, that we can have a short time where we can discuss the things that are taking place. We know what's happening around the world, and we know from the scriptures that we read this morning that you have a plan for the future. And I pray, Lord, you will guide us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, whether you've thought of the poor people in France in the disaster they had there or in the States or wherever it is, we see things are changing around the world. Uh, a scripture reading was read this morning from Revelation. Uh, you notice that reading that... Uh, was made from that chapter. And I thought it was very interesting that the 13th chapter of uh, Revelation was uh, used. I just want to see if we can't. We had our question and answer period in Sabbath school, and I thought that was pretty, pretty good. But here on the 13th chapter, you know it said, that John was standing on the, on the sand of the sea and he saw a beast rising out of the sea and the beast, he said, was like a leopard with feet that were uh, like the feet of a bear. Now, he saw one of the heads that was wounded unto death. What do you think that... Uh, represents help me who received a deadly wound yeah the uh, the Roman church and that happened in 1798 and who was the general who took him captive Berthier that's right now when was that deadly wound healed now Here's, here's an interesting thing. Uh, most people feel that when Mussolini gave him back the Papal States, uh, you know, before the, first, uh, the, the war there, that that was the time. And uh, I just want to interject here. My wife and I were in Spain on a holiday once, not too many years ago, and the headlines of the paper were there, and it said... The papacy has been given back uh, its ability to uh, speak and do everything that they were doing before. And it said, the next sentence says, maybe the deadly wound is now healed. Last, uh, last no, no, I think it was last September, you may have recalled that uh, in New York City, Pope Francis made a speech. And uh, I had part of that speech here, which I thought was quite interesting. And uh, there's no question about it that he was very interested in some of the things that were taking place uh, around the world. And... Uh, The actual words that he said, I do have written, 
but uh, they may not be easily found. Uh, okay. It says here, in September 2015, Agenda 21 was transformed into the 2030 Agenda as a major conference that was held in New York City in which the opening address was made by Pope Francis. Whereas Agenda 21 was primarily focused on the environment, the 2030 Agenda is truly a template for governing the entire planet. In addition to addressing climate change, it also sets ambitious goals for areas of economics, health, energy, education, agriculture, gender, gender equality, and a whole host of other issues. This global initiative is being billed as a new universal agenda for humanity. And they're hoping that uh, they, will, they have divided the earth into ten regions, which of course was done back in the 70s, but with a little bit of a change, feeling that the whole world will have one focus. And what you just read for the scripture reading was that all the world will wonder. And the time will come, most probably, when there will just be two groups. Those that are willing to follow the masses and those that will follow what Jesus has set out for us. And today, we have choices to make. Uh, I'd like you to turn with me to Deuteronomy, the first chapter. And uh, we're dealing here in uh, verses 19 to 25. I'm reading from the chronologically order of the scriptures, the New International Version. And it puts the Bible together chronologically rather than uh, from text to text. And I just happened to be reading it and this, this, these thoughts came to me. It says here, you know how the, the children of Israel had come to Kadesh Barnea the Lord had told them to go over and conquer the land. And they could have gone over and conquered it, and the Lord would have given them the promised land at that point. But Moses said, and all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land and bring back a report about the route that we should take and the towns that will come to you. The idea seemed good to me, Moses said. So I selected 12 of you, one from each tribe. When the children of Israel came to Moses and told him they didn't want to go ahead as the Lord had said. Now I know in another place the Lord says to choose 12 spies. He asked them to do what they wanted. But they chose to choose 10 people to go and spy out the land. 
And when Moses heard it, he thought, and he said, it seemed good to me. Every day we have to make choices. I wonder what things seem good to you. We are living, I believe, towards the end of time, that our Savior will return. There's no question about it. The children of Israel were about to go into the promised land. I believe we're about to go to the heavenly Canaan. And there are many things we are doing that may seem good to us. But are they? Are they really preparation for the heavenly Canaan? The spies that went in persuaded about... Uh, I suppose 99.999% of the people that it was too dangerous, that they shouldn't do this or they shouldn't do that or they shouldn't do the other thing. Have you ever had a bright idea and you thought it was good for you and uh, after you did it you wished you hadn't but you never backed down? You know, Moses still thought that he had two good spies, didn't he? Two spies came back with a good report. And the others, uh, how about a church board? You know, it's so nice to be retired. I don't have to sit on any committees. And I don't have to tell people they're wrong. You know, no. <laughs> it's, it's very hard. I remember uh, in Ottawa, we bought a new church. We had more members than we could handle. And the church was a bathroom green. And I didn't mind the church, but I didn't like the color. And, uh, you know, if you get a committee together to choose a color, the poor pastor will be moved any day because nobody agrees on the right thing. So it seemed good to me while I was out in gathering to talk to a Polish fellow who said he was a painter. And I asked him, would he come in and paint our church? I said, it needs to be done before Sabbath. This was on a Monday. Oh, he says, I can do that. So he came in. Sabbath morning, no more green church. It was all a beige color. It was peaceful. It was lovely. And I thought, what's going to happen to me? There's no church board action on this thing but you know the church service went beautifully nothing went wrong not a living soul recognized the paint had been done <laughs> and I said well there's very little that people recognize have you been worried because what you've been doing in the church has not been recognized don't worry about it it happens all the time you can work like a slave to make things go beautifully. Not a person notices. It all goes on as before. But it seemed good to you to be doing what you're doing. So don't be discouraged if things don't seem to go as, um, as well ex as expected. Um, <clears throat> I was, um, ever since I was a young man, um, I was about five years old, and a doctor used to take me to school every morning. His, his name is Barham. I didn't think I'd ever remember it. 
but he had an SS Jaguar. And I used to sit in the front seat of that car going to school, and I said, one day I'll have one of those. Well, when I got to Ottawa, I think I've told many of you I had an old beaten up Rambler. Uh, It had a wire holding the trunk up because the, the chassis was gone. And I saw this Jaguar, and it was cheap. And they would take my old beaten up one in trade. And I said, it seems good to me that I should buy this car. It would be helpful taking members to church and so forth. The first Sabbath I got it, I had a feeling maybe I should stay home and take some other means of transportation. But I said, no, it seems good to me to take it. I picked up several church members, went to Sister Beckworth. Which church did you go to? Almont. You remember Almont? Yeah, she remembers Almont. I took the members to Almont, and I thought it was raining. As I pulled into the church parking lot, the front windshield needed to be cleaned. When I got out, I noticed it was oil. The motor had leaked. It had gone underneath the car, over the back window, all the way up the top, and it never rusted. That car never rusted as well. <laughs> but it was Sister Beckworth's husband. When he saw the mess I was in, he says, don't worry a thing. He opened the trunk of his car, and he had a case of motor oil on Sabbath in the trunk of the car. Now, that Jaguar took 12 liters of oil. His case of oil had 12 liters in it. I was going on to preach in Pembroke that afternoon, and it seemed good to me just to stay in Almont. But the thought came to me that the Lord can fix it as well as anybody. And Brother Beckwith put in those 12 quarts of oil. He prayed over the car. We all prayed over the car. We got to Pembroke and preached, and that car never leaked a drop of oil again. You know, sometimes the Lord, even if we think something is good and it isn't, he helps us out. Here we find the situation with Moses. Moses was there, and it thought, he thought it was good that the spies went out, and they went out, and God blessed anyway, but how long did it take before they got in the promised land? Forty, forty years. And they could have gone over the hill. And they could have, with the help of the Lord, been successful. How long have we been in the wilderness? How long are we going around in circles sometimes? How long are we praying for the Lord to pour his spirit out upon us? We're close to the promised land. We're close to the heavenly Canaan. What is it that you think is good for us today? I just challenge you to make sure that there's nothing in your life that you know you should be doing and you're not. Sometimes we don't realize that the Lord may be waiting for you. He's not willing that any should perish. Just as the spies had to search out and only two of them came to the right conclusion. 
You know, I pray that everyone in this church will come to the conclusion when you think of things you're doing from day to day to make sure that it's what God would have you do. Are the things you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing? You know, sometimes you've got to put the fear of God in people so that their hearts turn around and smarten up. The Lord sometimes will have things happen to you so that you have time to think. It may be a, a gammy knee like I've got or something up, but whatever happens, there's one thing for sure. The Lord will guide you if you're willing uh, to be guided. And that's what uh, the Lord really wants of anyone. He doesn't mind if you cannot speak correctly. He doesn't mind if you don't look as good as the next door neighbor. It doesn't matter if your hair isn't combed just right. But what he does mind, are you willing to let him fill you with his spirit to do the work he's given you to do? You know, it's exciting for me to see what was, uh, was going on here with, uh, with the baby shower that you're doing, with the clothes for the children. You know, I was in a place once, and we couldn't get the clothes cleaned, and there was one person in the church with enough money to get her, her clothes dry cleaned. And she asked the dry cleaner, uh, would you clean the clothes that we have here for the for the Dorcas. In those days it was the Dorcas, the community service. And the dry cleaner did it all free. They got a little receipt, I think, for tax purposes or something. You never know. The Lord has in the hearts of people in the community desires to help. And he might give you the ability to know somebody who could help in those things. So there we go. They uh, rebelled against the Lord time and time again, as we, as we mentioned. But the Lord led and directed. Do you remember, now it's 12 o'clock closing time. I think I've gone over. Hmm? I've got five more minutes or what? Oh, it, it goes on a little longer. Okay, there was a time when I passed it here. If it wasn't 12 o'clock, you'd be thrown out. There, there is no trap door around here anymore. <laughs> no. Okay, I just don't want to hit the knee again. Okay, now I'd like you to turn with me um, to Luke 1 and verse 3. And I better use this Bible because... This one only has the days of the week I'm to read it, not the texts, and it takes me a little more time to find them there. So uh, Luke 1 and verse 3. And you notice here is another, another text from uh, Dr. Luke. And he says here, It seems good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all the things from the very first, to write you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, 
that you may know of a certainty all the things in which you are instructed. The young man Theophilus had this letter come to him from Luke. And Luke felt, because he had known everything from the beginning, it seemed good to him to write the book of Luke. What other book did he write? Acts. And the book of Acts also. Uh, it seemed good to him to write it. And I thought because he thought it was good to write it, it would be good to us to go over it, to see the things that he wrote. And during the week, if you read the book of Acts, the book of Luke, and you see what happened, he said he gave an accurate account. He watched what was happening. He wrote it down, and it was a real, a real blessing to the people. Now, if you turn with me to Ezra, the fifth chapter... Ezra, the fifth chapter. And uh, Nehemiah, Ezra, Nehemiah. Ezra, the fifth chapter. And uh, verse 17. And it says here, Now therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon, whether it is so that a decree was issued by King Cyrus to build this house of God. And uh, sometimes it's very good if it seems good. Cyrus had promised that the temple would be rebuilt in Jerusalem. Down in Jerusalem, if you read this whole chapter, which we most probably don't have time for, you'll find that uh, the soldiers down there were trying to stop the building of the temple. And those that were building the temple said, we have a document to say you can build it. They had a work permit and they had permission and everything like that, but nobody could find it. Why couldn't they find it? Uh, turn with me over there to Jeremiah 29. And uh, if you go to Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, uh, I think we've got it over here. And in the 29th chapter of Jeremiah, it's in verse 10, it says, For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It's the same God today that spoke to Jeremiah. When we seek for the Lord, what? With what? All our hearts. 
not a portion of it. And when, is it any good if we seek him and he gives us advice and we don't take it? No, no. You know, if uh, Brother Glendon had brought me a pineapple and told me it was going to help me, even if I didn't eat it, would it help me? No, no, no. So I ate lots of pineapple. I even froze pineapple juice, real pineapple juice, so that when it was hot, I had pineapple to suck, you see? You have to do what you're told if it's going to happen, and the Lord wanted us to give. But they said after 70 years, the Lord would bring them back. Now, when they hunted for the document from Cyrus, and who Cyrus, it says, is the Lord's messenger. He was the king. When they found it, then they sent word back to Jerusalem, don't stop the building, go ahead and do it. It was good that the king thought it good to search to see if there was something there that he had missed. And there, there was. How about if we search the scriptures? There some, are there some things there that maybe we have just passed over and we shouldn't? But they're there and they're good, uh, good instruction for us. Um, there was a time... When I was in the Congo with a, a brother Peterson, he was from the General Conference, and he had asked me to take him for a journey through the Congo to a place where we had absolutely no Christians at all. There were no Baptists, no Methodists, there was nothing. It was, it was the Ituri Forest. And in the Ituri Forest, the trees were very high. I estimated 200 feet or more. And uh, the paths that went through this uh, forest, uh, if you went one way, you most probably could get to where you were going. But on the way back, you could see paths that you didn't see when you went. And it would be so easy to get lost and go around in circles. So it seemed good to me to take a guide who spoke the local language. But our dear brother felt that uh, he'd been 40 years a missionary, never got lost, and uh, maybe he should go. Well, we were traveling along, and we came to a bridge. Now, any time I came to a bridge in the Congo, I would get out of my car, walk, walk across the bridge to make sure that the boards were still good, because they were usually pieces of tree trunk just tied across. And uh, I was persuaded not to worry about walking, just drive across. The next thing I knew, two of my wheels had gone through one of those boards, and here I was stuck on this bridge. And it didn't seem good to me to do anything. We were hundreds of miles. There was no gas station anywhere, of course, not for a thousand kilometers. And... Uh, I could see that the gasoline was leaking out of the gas tank. And I said, my, oh, my, we're going to be in real big trouble soon. And I didn't know, and the thought came to me. I prayed, Lord, we're kind of stuck here. I need your help. And you know, all I had along with me was a shaving kit. And in the shaving kit, I had some soap. Now, if this ever happens to you, this works. 
I took a bar of soap and I pushed it back and forth into the hole in the gas tank. It stopped leaking. We got as far as a railway line and the gas ran out. And I said, well, let's walk on the railway track till we come to something. And we walked several miles and came to a little place where they were fixing one of the trains that had broken down. And I said, nous n'avons pas rien d'essence. We don't have any gasoline. Do you have any? And they gave me a jerry can. We got to our appointments. We got up. We saw the, the pygmies in the end <clears throat> after a few days. And when we got there, some of the little fellows, you know, I put my arm out and all of them could walk under my, the tallest one could walk under my arm. And Peterson wanted to take pictures and they asked for some money. He says, no, 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 I never give money for pictures. All of a sudden, everyone pulled their bows and the arrows had poison on the end of them. And I thought, it thought good to me to pay these fellows. So while Peterson wasn't looking, I gave them the 10 makutas, 10 makutas, I don't know, maybe half a cent or something. Not much. But difficult times come, and sometimes you think things too should be done, and it was right. Sometimes you think things and they're wrong. But choices is what we all have to make every day. And I feel very strongly, old as I am now, that to make even a simple choice without asking the Lord what he wants is most probably not wise. And as we get closer and closer to the time when our Savior will return, I think we need to spend more and more time asking the Lord, what would you want me to do? Not just to think, is it seems good to me, because sometimes thinking that is not always the best that it could be. I, um, I learned the lesson fairly strongly this week. I was to take Millie, you know, every year she has to get a notary public state that she's alive. And the only way to do it is to get her passport. The notary public sees the signature in the passport. She has them, so they look at the photograph, they look at Millie, and they sign, sign to say, yes, this woman is alive. Now, why do they want to know she's alive? Well, they don't want to pay a pension to a dead person. And so you know how it goes. The governments need to, to know these things. Well, I have kept for 60 years, 59 years, our, both our passports together in the same place, so I know where they are. I go to get the passport. Mine is there, Millie's isn't. I'm not very popular. I tell you, uh, where have you put my passport? I don't know what we're going to do. Well, about 12 o'clock at night, I woke up. And I said, well, I can't sleep. I'm going to look for that passport. I went up and down every section of the house. If you ever want something spring cleaned, lose it and there will be nothing that hasn't been turned over I thought of the story in the Bible when the woman lost her silver coin she swept every corner it had never been so clean so you just try losing something for your wife and see if the house doesn't come spotless 
No, anyway, uh, I didn't find it. Went back to sleep. And in a few minutes, whether I was in a dream or in a, a vision, I don't know. But I saw Millie's hand going into the glove compartment with the passport and putting it on the left-hand corner at the bottom. I went straight away to sleep again. And uh, in the morning when I woke up, I said, well, there's no point going out there. The Lord has shown me where it is. I didn't go out, and then Millie was in the car. We were going to the notary public. I said, Millie, open the glove box. She opened the glove box. I said, look on the left-hand corner at the bottom. And there was the passport. Millie said, I never put it in there. I said, I saw you putting it in there. <laughs> but you know, God in his mercy, he knows where things are when we lose them. And in his mercy, he, he saved me from a fate worse than death. Yeah, we found the passport. Everything went fine. There's a, there's a relationship we have with our Lord. We know what we can ask. We know when we're being presumptuous. And he does take care. There were three things that I prayed for that night. I said, Lord, I, I'm, I'm trying to get ready for coming to Belleville. And I couldn't get into neutral on a motor. And I couldn't get in, and I tried everything and everything. And then I was talking to a friend, and he said, well, you better have a look at the Bendix. It might be stuck. Well, I went, and the Bendix was stuck. Everything went all right. It, it, it went. The passport was found. And I was so grateful. And then I had the... You know, the Lord is good. I was going on the way to to speak at Adra, like I told you earlier on. And do you know what was on the side of the road? There was a pile this high of cabinet doors. Beautiful oak, walnut, all kinds of cherry and what have you. Beautiful. In a big pile. So I go in the store and I say, uh, are you selling these? He says, no. He said, I can't use them anymore. Uh, they're odd ones that I have got left over. So I thought I'd put them at the road. I hate to ruin nice wood, and I thought someone would like them. So we took three of each kind that Millie wanted me to put cabinets, doors on some of our cabinets. Took them home. And you know, some of you know Tamara and John uh, Thompson. They come here once in a while. Well, uh, John said to me, no problem, give me, give me those cupboards and tell me the size you want and I'll cut them. So I gave the size, he cut them, they gave them back to me last week and I put the hinges on, got them all there and they were half an inch too big. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I had a wrong tape measure, it must have been metric. Anyway... <laughs> So who goes by but a fellow by the name of Matt in a little, uh, one of these four-wheelers. And I shout out, and he goes by. Then I see someone going by with one of those golf carts. And he's, he's Blaine, is his, I said, Blaine, I'm stuck. 
I've got half an inch too much on this. I can't finish it for Millie. Oh, he says, no problem. I'll do it in five minutes. He takes them away, comes back, and we put them on, and half an hour before the guests come, everything was finished. And uh, I just praise the Lord how much he loves us, how much he's willing to take care of us, how much he's willing to intervene in situations that really don't matter, but they make us happy. I'm sure the angels love to see us smile. When I come here this morning and see Nancy, I feel wonderful. She was smiling and welcoming at the door. I often think as I'm working in the garden or in the house, am I making the place the way the angels would love to be here? I want them present when I'm around. You know why? You never know when you need them. You know, I thought I could mow the lawn. I could get into the riding tractor. No problem at all. So I get in the tractor and go around and then I run out of gas and I can't get out of it. I had a walking stick to get in but you're in the middle of the garden. What, what do you do? So all you can do is pray. And then I got a little too ambitious. Uh, the church members in one of the churches said, we'd like to come to your place with the children for a picnic. So I thought I'd better clean out all the woods where the kids like to work. And so I take the tractor, I go in the woods, and I go down a hill, and the wheel starts spinning. And the front wheel is caught on an old tree stump. And here I am in on a 45-degree angle, 8.30 at night, almost out, and I says, Lord, I'm here for all night. I don't think I can get out or anything. And I, I, I said, please help me. And as I got out, I said, the only way is to lift this thing. But I mean, it's heavy. Uh, when I change the oil, I need my neighbor to come, two of us, to lift it up and then someone else put a, a block under. So I got out there and that front end was light as could be. And I said, Lord, thank you for sending the angels there. I just lifted it up out of there, spun the thing around, and I thought, well, I'll just go up the hill. But no, the tractor went sideways, cutting all through the bush. It wouldn't go up. It was sliding on one side. But just at the last minute, it got out of there. And I got back, and Millie said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> and so I decided not to do it again. I, I listened. But sometimes what seems good to you it seemed a good idea to clean it, the pathway so when the people came they could walk through the woods. It was not a good idea. I hadn't asked the Lord first. And there are many things that I've done in my life that I wished I hadn't. And there are many things that I wished I had and didn't. And I think in the times we're living, towards the end of time, it's time that we ask the Lord what he wants us to do. The only thing he really needs from us is for us to be willing to open our lives that he can come in through his spirit and tell us what needs to be done. Now, I see it is time to close. Even the, And so I'd like you to turn with me. Um, well, Matthew 16, 25. 
And it says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's the bottom line. What is more important? Your eternal salvation. Yesterday we talked with a man and he, he, I spent a couple of hours with him. He said, all I want to do is die and stay there. I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want anything else. I said, it isn't just a question of what you want to do. There are only two places you're going to end up. And you have to make a choice. Before we left, he promised, he, he read the Bible. He said, I've never read the book of Genesis. I've never read the Old Testament. He read one chapter to me. I says, now you're going to read one chapter every night to your wife and have prayer and ask for forgiveness. He said, I've never asked forgiveness from anyone, from God, man, or anything else. He said, I just want to die and stay in the ground. You know, we have to make choices. We have to decide what we can do. Okay, that was Matthew 16, 25. Uh, you've all read this uh, quotation from one of my favorite authors. It says, Not more surely is a place prepared in heaven for us than is a place prepared on earth where we are to work for the Lord. The Lord has prepared a place in heaven. He said, if I go away, I will prepare mansions for you. But he has prepared a place here for you to work. Some of you found the place and are happy. Some have not found it. Why not this week pray to God sincerely that he will show you the place he wants you to work. Now, in closing, I'd like to go to Deuteronomy again, 29. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29 and uh, uh, verses 2 to 6. Now, it says here, Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all of his servants and to all of his land. The great trials which your eyes have seen, the sights and the wonders you have seen. Yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this day. They had seen all the wonders the Lord had done, but they didn't have eyes to see, ears to hear, or a heart that uh, would perceive. And uh, I could stand here before you and say, okay, well, it was just a coincidence I found the passport. Um, it just happened that I didn't get stuck down there all night in the tractor. Think over this week what God has done for you. Do not say it was an accident. Don't say it was something else. You are his children. He loves you. He answers even the simplest prayers that you have. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes it takes a long time. 
But nevertheless, it, it will happen. The great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs that you have won, and the wonders, yet the Lord has given you a heart to perceive, has not given you a heart to perceive, nor ears to hear to this very day. He says, and I have led you 40 years in the wilderness, and your clothes have not worn out. Your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or strong drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. You know, when I read that, uh, there are some people here who were able to go to the Baptist church and find brand new shoes for almost nothing. The Lord blessed them. Did they say, boy, am I so smart, I went there and I got this? Or did they say, the Lord led me? You never know. How about, we said, they didn't eat bread the whole time. You know, they were on a, one of these uh, gluten-free diets. So they didn't eat bread the whole time. They were 40 years in the wilderness. What did they eat? Did they get sick? Only when they wanted their own diet. And sometimes, sometimes they felt like they, they wanted the garlic out of Egypt. But, I mean, it, that wasn't the only thing they wanted. And then, you see, this is, this is what happened. And uh, so you have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or strong drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. There are people I've heard who know better, who say... Oh, the Jews drank wine. I can drink wine. There's no problem with that at all. The Lord doesn't mind. For 40 years before they got in the promised land, they never touched it. Not any of them. That we know of. I mean, uh, as we hope, we, you think you've gone 40 more years before the heavenly Canaan? Do you think the Lord would want you to stay away from that stuff? I mean, if the children of Israel had to, and they didn't even have an automobile to kill anyone after they drunk, you know, they, their, their chariots weren't really that fast, and most of their donkeys. The only time I was supposed to ride on a donkey, the owner of the donkey said, I wish you would walk, I feel sorry for my donkey. <laughs> so, you know, but you don't go too fast with those vehicles. That was up in Utrakashi in India. We were going up into the Chinese border there. But uh, all of these things that are written here, what they ate and what they drunk, what they drank prior to going into the promised land seem to be important. That's as much as I'll say. Do you not think that as we're preparing for the heavenly, I'm looking for those grapes. I wonder how big they'll be in the new earth. I, I like the ones, you know, when Caleb and Joshua... It took two men to carry one bunch. What we've learned that, you know, shows how ignorant I am. We were leaving Florida, and one of our friends, who was the health uh, nutritionist for the General Conference, he gave us everything in his freezer. He was going to Texas, and he said he couldn't take it with him. And you know what was in that? He had frozen grapes 
Red grapes. Uh, anyone here frozen grapes? You have. Well, you know, all this summer long, I've been able to eat those grapes when I get too hot, and they taste delicious. But I would like to freeze one of those that size. You know, these are just little tiny grapes. But the Lord has promised that he will be with us even unto the end. And today, as we make choices, and as we make decisions for what has to be done, I pray that each one of us will ask the Lord that we will make sure that what we are doing is not just because we want to, but because it's his will. Amen.